This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Drops to your point for Tucker. Long wrist shot. He scores. Tyler Tucker has his first NHL goal, and the Blues take a 2-0 lead. Drops near half wall for GT Miller. Over to the right side. Pedersen shoots right on. Stopped by Minuton. Rebound. They score. Andre Kuzmenko ties the game in the third period in the final minute for the second straight game. With the instant reaction from the players and coaches. Pedersen into the blue zone. Left wing shoots. He scores. Elias Pedersen goes coast to coast and wins it in overtime for the Vancouver Canucks with just 15 seconds left in the extra period. On the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks win miraculously in overtime against the Blues. Come back from a two-goal deficit. Kuzmenko ties it late. Pedersen takes it in overtime. And Canucks find a way to win, beating the Blues 3-2 in overtime. And this is the Canucks Central Postgame Show on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shah with Bick Nazar. And we are going to bring in Randy Janda into the conversation in just a moment. Phone boards are open. 604-280-0650 or toll-free. 1-888-275-0650. And keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox. 650-650. And... Kuzmenko just has no quit in his game. Elias Pettersson, what a rush in overtime to get the victory for Vancouver. And despite the fact that it's Kuzmenko doing some fun stuff and the Canucks winning the game with Pettersson scoring the goal, the mood on the text box is very, very conflicted. It's it's all crying emojis. (laughs) Please trade Kuzmenko crying emojis. Yeah. And some are saying, take that, you tank, take that, tankers. And uh, Mm -hmm. uh, our friend Tommy, who listens in Sydney, says, uh, after that EP40 special, I may need to call into the show. So some fans are still excited when the Canucks win and do some fun things. But of course, 604-280-0650 if you want to. Or or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. You can grab a phone line, you can chat with us. But let's bring in Randeep into the conversation. And Randeep, hey, I know where fans are coming from. Like we've, we've spoken about how the draft lottery are are so important for this franchise but Canucks will win some games and when it's Kuzmenko doing his thing and when it's Pedersen doing his thing that's just going to happen and truth be told they were the better team start to finish tonight yeah they dominated five on five if you start looking at some of the numbers guys uh St. Louis as per natural statric had once high danger chance in the entire game or it, that tells you how dominant the Canucks were and I understand there's going to be a lot of opinion and a lot of emotions. It's that time of the year. You're looking at the draft. But the most important thing for me right now, when you know they do pick up points, is who's doing it, right? It's, it's not Matthew Highmore anymore going on a heater. Uh, these are guys that are part of the group moving forward. This is Elias Pettersson dominating after making a mistake on that first goal. But what happens? Leadership role, he ends up changing the game as the second half of this game goes on and in overtime ends up scoring that goal. It's JT Miller who plays a prominent role scoring a shorthanded goal but also playing playmaker on that second goal. It's Andre Kuzmenko who's showing that him, you know, over the last two games, even beyond that, but particularly the last two games, that $5.5 million is going to be a discount. These are three players that are, you know, willing this team to victories and they're going to be prominent in the future. So if you're seeing growth from those guys... I understand the frustration of picking up points at this point in the year, but guys, these are you want to see progress from these guys individually and be leaders on this team, and that's what we're seeing. So I, I'm a little bit more optimistic when it comes to these points being picked up. Yeah, it, it's it's who's doing it, right? Mm-hmm. And look, I, I get the frustrations, and people want another top pick, obviously. Look, it still comes down to a lottery, but like the idea that Elias Patterson could be a top 10 player in the league next season, 
That's what you want with a, lo- a a lottery pick, right? This is what success looks like if Elias Pettersson becomes a top 10 player. And what I like about this Randy is his, the first chance of the game he had. That same chance, a rush off the left, he shoots and he goes blocker side. And this is like real-time problem solving. Later on, he's like the Velociraptors, figuring out how to use the Doris. <laughs> yeah. He goes top top glove side there in OT. Yep. And I you show one thing and you show another thing and you have success with it later. Oh, for sure, and intelligence, right? And that that's always been a part of his game, but what I like about the mentality today was after he, you know, takes that chance on Torchenko's goal, mm-hmm. the one nothing shorthanded goal, you could even see it for the remainder of the first period, he was fired up. He wanted to get it back. And that's what the really good players do where hey, you make a mistake, but you're accountable to yourself. You're saying that wasn't good enough. I'm not good enough there. I made a mistake and I'm going to do that much better to make sure that my team does not lose this game. And that's what you want. That's what leadership is. When we talk about you know players stepping up in the right moment and making things happen, that JT Miller goal to play, you know, make that play along the left hand side along the boards, active stick, and then makes a good pass to JT. Like that's what you want to see from Elias Pettersson, where it's intelligence for sure. But that accountability, when Rick Tockett says. You know, we want our players accountable. The best players have to lead by example. That's it right there. You make a mistake, fine. That happens. The game of hockey is based on mistakes a lot of nights. But what do you do to make it back? What do you do to put your team in a better position? Pedersen personified that today. Well, he really did. And that's the thing about him. Three-point performance, just another spectacular one. And you mentioned JT Miller scoring uh, on that play. And he's had some moments, too, where... His play's been a bit up and down, maybe on the ice a bit too long in overtime at times, but he did take that puck high. His game is always, it's always easy to pick something out of his game, but lo and behold, here he is, 20 goals on the season, on pace for being over at 70, 76 points, and continues to play better hockey under Rick Tockett, Randy. And totally, you know, this is a, a thing where I think we look at the Rick Tockett experience and we're going to judge it for the rest of the season, but with JT Miller, two things are really important here, right? You're in a leadership position. How do you deal with that? And I think there will be assessments on a day-to-day. But one thing you cannot doubt at all is that his will to win. And he takes a shot up, you know, a high early on in the game. Not only does he not go to the bench, he's out for the face-off, the next face-off. He gets kicked out of it. But still, the fact is, this guy will always want to win any game that he's in. Later on, same thing happens in overtime where he gets hit by that puck. And, you know, I think the mentality is obviously there. You mentioned the stats where... He's going to be at least or near a point-per-game player. It's just that consistency. And, you know, a couple of games ago, we were talking about puck management, specifically in your own zone. He's going to have those moments where maybe he looks a little casual coming around his own net, and there's going to be a giveaway. That's that's who JT Miller has been in the past, and he'll probably see in the future. But I don't think anybody can doubt his will to win, his ability, and his skill. And I thought, you know, over the last two three games, he's played – quite well. Last game against Nashville, he played really well, and I love that that chemistry between him and Pedersen, um, especially on that two-on-one goal where PD makes the play, and we saw a little bit more of JT Miller off the rush today, which I want to see more. There was a play in the third period where he kind of lowers that shoulder, guys, and it was an easy save for Bennington, but to me, that's if you see a little bit more of, of JT off the rush, then, then I'm like, all right, this is closer to the JT Miller we saw last year. Yeah, the chance creation is the thing that's uh, needed to go up for him. And suddenly, it's uh, 24 points in 22 games for JT Miller as well. Uh, I do want to credit, because uh, I don't want to see it get lost in the shuffle, Archer Silov is in overtime, Randy. Oh, yeah. Massive yeah. saves on Thomas and Saad as well. We're, 
we're evaluating young players stepping up into the these spots, Atu Ratu and uh, Silas as well. Uh, thoughts on his game today? Where it was a quieter effort overall because of the shot totals, but in in moments of need, uh, Arthur Silas was there. Yeah, and a lot of nights, those are the toughest nights for goalies where you're sitting around, you know, in third period, it's what, 13 shots against, and you're saying, okay, there's a lot of the pucks been in the opposite end. And the overtime ones, you mentioned the the Robert Thomas one where he goes wide on Kuzmenko, cuts to the front of the net, and the double save there. But even later on, mm-hmm. when Ethan Bear gives the puck away and there's a prime opportunity, uh, that to me is like Ethan Bear's got to buy him dinner or something like that because that, that would be the talking point uh, coming out of that game if they lose in overtime. But Silovs, listen, this is a tough game to be in because you're not seeing that much puck. Uh, I love the way that he's played. I think the mentality even after that first game where he didn't, you know, get much support. The New York Rangers were skating all over the ice and the Canucks didn't really put up much of a fight. His mentality coming out then saying, no, I was excited to be in the crease. Uh, that tells you how confident the kid is. And I like it. I don't know how long the experiment will go at the NHL level this year, but what I've seen from him, I like it. And I think the mentality mm-hmm. is, is a lot stronger too. And I will say this though, guys, how often do we talk about a Canucks game where they had one giveaway on the night? Yeah. One giveaway, which has been few and far between, and that tells you how much, you know, he got support in front of him too, where the Canucks were the, by far the better team. So you give your goalie a little bit of support, you give him a little bit of free time, maybe maybe not seeing too much of the puck, and yeah, the goalie's going to maybe be that much more confident because you're not giving up prime real estate in front of the net. Randeep, uh, before we let you go, uh, let's get a couple of thoughts here on Aturatu and how he performed in his Canucks debut this evening. What, what did you think of what you saw from the young kid? Yeah, I think the first 40 minutes, I, I liked what I saw, right? Where you're seeing him, you know, make the smart play, not necessarily flash. We know he's not going to be the speedy of, speediest of players. His skating is something he's going to have to work on. Uh, I thought in the third period, there was a couple of plays where, you know, just making that dangerous pass through the middle of the ice. Once in his own zone, once through the neutral zone. And that's where I was just saying, okay, there's still some, some you know, learning obviously to do. The guy's 20 years old, so I'm not going to be critical, but couple of moments where I imagine a coach is saying, okay, don't make that play. But overall, guys, in about, what, eight minutes, which is what you expect him to play, I thought there was some some good moments positionally, you know, knowing, having that awareness, uh, especially in the defensive side of the ice. I, I liked certain moments in the first 40 minutes. Maybe a couple in the third period where I was saying, okay, just a little higher risk for me. But overall, I think a good start and something to build on with this kid, which is it's going to be about a two-year, two-year kind of build here, two-year, you know, uh, getting him experience in the AHL and building up a player. But decent start for the kid. Are we going to give uh, Sheldon Dries credit for turning the game with that fight? Oh man! Uh, not only that, the double shot block off of both yeah. feet early on in this game. Yep. You talk about clogging up, you know, shooting lanes on the PK. Does that not set the tone? Sheldon Dries doesn't fight very often, but I think that's his second fight of the year. But that's it right there. And also, shout out to uh, Vasily Podkolzin, who is the one who tossed Tyler Tucker into the crease there. Mm-hmm. So a little aggression from Vasily Podkolzin, and that's what this team needed. You know, without Luke Shen, there's going to be other moments where guys are going to have to step up. Guys are going to have to be a little abrasive. And I don't expect Vasily Podkolzin 
and Sheldon drives to do it every night, but that's a part of their growth too, specifically for Pod Colson, who's going to have to maybe add some wrinkles to his game as he goes here. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting though, watching the engagement of that uh, of the game kind of in that third period, it did turn, uh, certainly turn up in intensity. They torqued in the it up, yeah. Uh, both yep. teams a little bit, you thought, and you know somebody texted in too, don't forget Pedersen uh, saving the empty net goal, making the save yep. on the one chance, so really doing it on both ends of the ice. Randy, great stuff, man. Uh, you know, I, I know a lot of Canucks fans don't like it, but the Canucks won one of these two games and picked up three out of four points on this two-game set, so we'll see what they do against the Bruins. Remember, remember, and I'm saying this to all the listeners, I, I understand where you're coming from, but who scores and who produces matters here, right? Are you yeah. seeing personal growth from those players? So, guys, uh, have a fun show the rest of the way, and uh, we'll chat soon. Uh, thanks, Randy. Uh, that's Randy Janda calling the game alongside Brendan Batchelor. And, yeah, it's a bit different than watching guys like Lyndon Vay you know, or like Emerson Edom score meaningless goals late in the season. Yeah, and just really quickly, I want to point something out about put, put, put Coles in because Randy mentioned that that moment where he kind of chucked Tucker into the net. Yeah. So he only played 10 minutes and 40 seconds today. And he had stretches of times where he didn't get on the ice for seven, eight minutes here. After that play, he did get four shifts down the stretch. Four. So after a, a physical engagement moment, but Colson got four shifts in the last nine minutes. You want to talk about, hey, show something to get more ice time? Mm-hmm. That's like the, the meritocracy of effort will get you ice time. Do something will get you ice time. There you go. For for Vasily Colson, who went long stretches sitting today. And then four shifts down the stretch. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about that. Uh, all right. A, a lot of reaction coming in on our text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line as well, 604-280-0650. Your toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. And we will get back to your phone calls and your text messages. We will hear from head coach Rick Tockett, and we'll continue breaking down this game. Atu Ratu made his Canucks debut, and we saw Elias Pettersson and Kuzmenko do incredible things. We'll discuss that and more as a Canucks Central Post Game Show Rolls on on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now more of the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion. Text us at 650-650 or call us at 604-280-0650. This is the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Pedersen into the blue zone. Left wing shoots. He scores. Elias Pedersen goes coast to coast and wins it in overtime for the Vancouver Canucks with just 15 seconds left in the extra period. Pedersen picks up his third point of the night, his team leading 28th goal of the year, and the Canucks take it 3-2. Canucks win in overtime. Much to the chagrin of a lot of people, not only in the text inbox, also on social media, maybe on the phone boards, well, which we'll get to coming up in a bit. 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Elias Pettersson, one goal, two assists, three points tonight, 10 shots, 10 shots. The man was willing the Canucks to victory tonight. And honestly, uh, hey, we've been sitting here talking about draft lottery odds and they need to get uh, the best picks possible and everything. The way Elias Pettersson played tonight, I don't care that they won. He's going to dominate. He dominates. What are you going to do? He gets in the way. He dominated the game late. He willed the team to victory. Him and Kuzmenko, those things are going to happen. And if you have players that can will your team to victory, that's a good thing no matter when it happens in a season. Facts only. Facts only. Uh, we had a text come in earlier 
can someone tell me how many shot attempts Brock had? Because you mentioned Petey. Mm-hmm. Ten shots on goal. He ended up with 17 shot attempts. 17 shot attempts for Elias Pettersson. Brock Besser wound up with seven shot attempts, three of them on a goal. So mm-hmm. good text coming in, 650-650. Yeah, uh, really good text. And uh, a lot of good thoughts coming in as well. We are going to hear from head coach Rick Tockett uh, momentarily. And I'd say for Andre Kuzmenko as well, this is now back-to-back games. He's scoring four straight goals, back-to-back games. He scored a game-time goal in the dying seconds. We see some plays defensively sometimes. We even saw it, you know, earlier in the, in, in the game uh, on the first Blues goal. He's kind of, you know, it's, it's, well, the second Blues goal, kind of not sure what he's doing defensively. But when it comes to the offensive end and when it comes to winning puck battles now, being engaged, and there was time, there was a there was a chance in overtime where Falk was kind of on top of Silovs and him and Petey cleared the net and it really gave Falk the business a little bit as well. Like the engagement and the intensity he's been playing with is pretty impressive. And especially days after minute reduction. Mm-hmm. Earn your ice time back. Put in the effort, put in the work, and he's doing all the things that was asked of him from Rick Tockett. And I go back to the last game, you know, takes the puck off the wall, works through contact, accelerates, quick give and go with Miller. I know you were talking about it today or yesterday on Connect Central as well. Just how it looks like there's a bit more pop in his game that first step quickness is he putting more work in off the ice weight room and just becoming a bit more explosive he was already a player that you looked at and focused on his short area quickness but he even does look like he's got a little bit more burst as well here recently yeah he really does right and that's the thing that has been impressive about the fact that he's getting even quicker and stronger as the season goes on and and that's the real real impressive uh, thing a lot of text messages here 650 650 uh that's why i quit the stinking canucks goodbye connor bedard that's gary and richmond I get it. Like the Canucks have picked up some points now. Th- three straight games have picked up some points, and you know, kind of getting a bit out of the top bottom five race. And we know they need the high draft pick, but this is still not a good hockey team. I'm not trying to rain on the parade for winning this game. They outplayed the Blues, but like this fear, the Canucks going to win a ton of games. I don't share that. I guess confidence or fear, depending on how what, what side you want to look at it as. Like having confidence in this team winning games or having fear this team's going to win a lot of games. They need a Pedersen to have this performance. They need two, like, late-second tying goals to get points the last two games. Like, they've needed hero performances to pick up points. They've eked out a win versus a non-playoff team who's traded away assets and fairly disengaged performance from St. Louis. Again, in the moments where they created, they really created and and overwhelmed the Canucks for their goal-scoring opportunities. But the shot attempts are what they are. The scoring chances are what they are. The expected goals are what they are. Canucks were the better team tonight. Mm-hmm. Eventually got their reward for it in overtime. This next stretch here, like Boston, Dallas, Minnesota, Toronto, that's going to be a, in a difficult four games. They go through that stretch and they start picking up wins. I'll understand the complaints a bit more. But right now, this is players growing. Mm-hmm. And it's a different level for Elias Pettersson. Last year, it was about a reclamation project, and the season was such a disaster for him at the beginning of the year. He tore it up late in the year. It's like, all right, we want to see him take him another step. He's taking that another step now. And this is what you want to see, that ascension into not just a top 10 center. I know he was left off a list at ESPN for top 10 centers, which I thought was a bit egregious. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be a top 10 center 
in the league, you're going to put yourself in the conversation for top 10 player in the league. And that's the goal for him next season. Performances like this and, and stacking games the way he has been, that's what you do. Exactly, right? And they've needed these types of performances, hero performances, to get points recently. That kind of shows you where this team's at. Uh, you guys didn't even mention that Hughes was at 30 minutes tonight. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about that during the intermissions, mm-hmm. that Quinn Hughes played a ton this evening. And as much as Talkett has mentioned how he doesn't want to lean on guys getting a lot of minutes, well, here is Quinn Hughes playing 30 minutes. Overtime, albeit, JT sure. Miller had almost 25 minutes tonight, and Elias Patterson played 22 minutes this evening. So he's really been leaning on those players. On the back end, I do sympathize, though, like when, when your options are Guillaume Brisebois, right? And you have Christian Willannon, Kyle, Kyle Burroughs. And Willannon only played 13 minutes, Brisebois 12 minutes tonight, 14 minutes for Burroughs. That's, that is going to happen. But as the season goes on here, got to be careful. You know, I like think, if I'm looking at this correctly, I think Quinn Hughes played the last four minutes of regulation. Yeah. Just beast. Yeah. Just a beast being able to, uh, Put yourself through that. Like JT Miller the other day was three minutes near the end of regulation. Um, just unreal uh, shifts. Yeah, it is, it's unreal. I mean, you know, it's a fatigue. We saw some mistakes that he made. I think it really came down to a lot of fatigue that he had. Um, and that's where some of the mistakes happen in his game. This text here, I get it. You guys have a job to be positive and not to say anything negative. No, our job is not to be but positive. We, but we all, we know these are pointless, countless, uh, pointless points costing the Canucks and Casper instead of like Mackey last year, Luke Hughes instead of OEL, Zegers instead of put Coles in. We've been sitting here essentially talking about how bad the Canucks are all like pff, the past, what? 50 games, essentially, outside the first seven, eight games of the season, when the season really went sideways. We're sitting here saying you need to have a high draft pick, but they want a hockey game. I'm not going to do the yell and be be despondent because a hockey team won a hockey game on a post-game show about that hockey team. That's just not going to happen. Our job is to be fair and accurately describe what happened tonight. Yes, and if I'm sitting here yelling, well, like, what do you want? You know what, Pedersen? God damn it, you're a loser. You're a loser. You score three points against a bad hockey team late in the season? Loser hockey team. Loser hockey player. You know, you'll never win with this team, this mentality, trying to win a hockey game late in the season. You know, Elias Pedersen can't be a captain for my team, Vic. You know why? Because he's working too damn hard against the Is Blues. there a... Um... I'm just trying to look at this, right? Because the idea is, hey, you know, like you need high draft picks, which is f- totally valid. But like Elias Pettersson was the fifth overall pick. Is there a, a, a missed analysis of of this whole discussion where it's like you can find good players at fifth overall? Yeah. Oh, I mean, listen, there are a lot of good players. <laughs> you can this- find franchise changers at fifth overall. Hey, I want to win the lottery too. I want the Canucks to have like a top seven pick this year. Absolutely. But like we're talking about something that there's no control over. No, I, I listen. This I I there's no guarantee for you to get Connor Bedard. The best value you get in picking late is your better chance. But of if getting you, third, right? But if you ensure that you're getting a top five pick, that's money. I think in this draft, like if the Canucks can get not only, I mean, of course, Bedard's the the key. Can get a Fantilli. If not, Leo Carlson. I know Mitchkov is a smaller player, but man, is he talented. And then it comes down to a group of other players, depending on how you view them. If you get a top five pick, you're coming away with a player who's going to be a real foundational core piece of long term. It's not just about Connor Bedard. So I totally get it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm completely there in terms of getting the higher draft pick. But I mean, I'm not going to yell and scream on a post game show when a team wins a hockey game because Elias Pettersson and Kuzmenko played well. That's just not going to happen. We're here for your venting. Yes, and, and we'll absolutely. Read it. 
But I, I think I'm done reacting to it. Yes. We'll we'll, we'll read the text, but uh, they they played well enough to win tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it certainly did. Uh, we have a lot of reaction on the text inbox, 650-650. We'll get back to it coming up uh, in, in a couple of minutes here. Uh, let's go to the phone boards, however. Let's start in Richmond, where we have Sam on the line. Sam, thanks for calling in. And what do you have for us tonight? Well, I guess I don't have to repeat myself because that you pretty much said everything that I was going to say anyway. So, um, But just adding to that, you know, I played hockey for 20 years, and I wanted to win every night. And I know I can't compare myself to an NHL player because I wasn't and I'm not. But exactly what you said, Sat, they, you can't tell a team to lose on purpose. You know, um, They just won't. They want to win every night. It doesn't matter if you're 100 points out of the playoffs or five points out of the playoffs. They, they want to win every night. And you know what? I don't blame them one bit. And all these losers saying, oh, oh, they can't even tank properly. Well, you know what? They're hockey players. Let them win one. They've had a crummy season. You know what? Let them have a win or a couple wins. Who cares about Bedard? Like, I'm so sick and tired of it. So, anyhow, thanks. Have a good night. Hey, Sam. Thanks for the phone call. And, like, I'm not even besmirching anybody. The thing that gets me is just the anger people have at people. It's like, why are you happy the team won the game? Why are you saying anything positive? It's like, you're projecting your anger at the wrong place, man. You want to be angry at anybody? Be angry at the Blues. They could have scored an empty net three different times they didn't score. Well, you know who stopped it? Quinn Hughes. And Elias Pettersson. Quinn Hughes stopped it. Uh, and Pettersson blocked one in the empty net. Yeah, it took the puck away uh, from Braden Shen on a good pressure at the blue line. And by the way, like JT Miller makes a really nice pass here. It was almost like a through ball in soccer, like breaking the lines here and gets it through the best who taps it to the wing. Uh, so it was kind of a clever pass. And then ultimately, and what's funny too is Robert Thomas slips a couple of times on this play. Yeah. So they're already... Uh, have the numerical advantage, six on five. And then as they get back into the zone, Thomas slips again. And Shen and Thomas, because Thomas fell over, Shen goes towards Pedersen and Thomas gets back up. He's like, I got to recover. He goes towards Pedersen. So it's already six on five. And they double team Pedersen, who just puts it towards the net. And Kuzmenko just free, gets two cracks at it and puts it in. Yeah, I mean, it's just... Really poor play by the Blues. Like, really poor play. I mean... Well, just go back to the the, the shorthanded goal. Yeah. It's, same it's thing. right off the face-off. Yeah. Brandon Saad gets the puck. And this is actually a great play by Pedersen, because he's stationary off of that face-off. And he views the whole scope of the ice. And this is what we talk about. Positioning and threat assessment. It's right off the face-off. And so where P- Pedersen's positioning is, he's looking at three... St. Louis Blues players. He knows Sod's to his left, and he knows right off of the face-off to my right, mm-hmm. there's a net front guy. And we always talk about you know finding moments to take gambles and correctly choosing them. That pass goes to Brandon Sod, and Pedersen hard charges for yeah. it. And also look at the angle that he takes, because he knows there's nothing down low, because the face-off is on the other side, and there's a net front guy down there. The the, the play that he's giving up is basically Sod. To, to sweep it down the, the wall behind the net. That's a safe play to give up. He hard charges and takes away the passing lane and gambles on it. It's one of those plays to accelerate the decision-making of Brandon Saad mm-hmm. and take away the high-value pass that can generate a scoring chance for you. That's the sort of stuff that you see his IQ on the ice. You do. I mean, this is the type of thing that ha- we've seen some of the defensive mistakes he's made recently, and we talked about how on the first goal uh, the Canucks gave up 
and he with the Canucks were on the power play, he bites hard, allows mm-hmm. a pass to go across, and we've seen some defensive mistakes at times. There's another level for him, but the IQ is certainly there, and it's about execution and honing in on that and getting better. But uh, it's it's. And, and the, he, the sky's just the limit for that player. He was sloppy in the first period. He had a bad pass on the power play where you could see him react to it as well. And had to get better. Obviously, the Torpachenko goal makes a bad decision on that one. But after the Tucker goal, I would say, from there onwards, shift by shift by shift by shift, really started stacking it. And sure enough, the, the dam eventually breaks later on in the game and even uh, helped you out, right? It worked out for me. So I picked tonight, Bavillier, Pedersen, and Kuzmenko all to get a point tonight. Had to sweat it late. Had, Bavillier needed the point late, and he gets an assist on the Elias Pedersen game-winning goal. So, so hey, so so maybe that's why I'm 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 in a better mood than most people today because <laughs> you know I came in with a late goal on Elias Pedersen. Uh, the bet did cash. Now a man who was also happy with the Canucks' performance tonight was their head coach Rick Tockett, and here he is meeting with the media after a three-two win in overtime. I, I think we deserved the outcome. Yeah, I thought uh, we uh, we did a nice job in a lot of areas. Um, you know, it's nice to. I think it feels good to only have like two goals in. Like I think we defended for the most part fairly well the whole game. That, that's what you got to do to win hockey games. You got to really defend well. Sometimes uh, coaches' challenges are kind of like uh, shootouts. You know, you just don't know which way it's going to go. Are you surprised at all about the last couple of games? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I guess these are coin flips, and we lost the coin flip because I. I mean, I guess you can go 50-50. I don't, I don't know. Um, but I'd still call him again. Like, if, I, if you ask me again, I'd do it again. Talked a lot about the process. You're, it was hard to believe you were down 2 nothing. you know, based on scoring chances. Yeah. Of that. Would you have been satisfied even without the comeback with the way the team had played? No, because I, I honestly didn't like the second goal. I didn't think we defended that hard. And, um, you know, I went in and I told the guys it was, you know, that we got to defend harder, even though you know they didn't get a lot of shots, and they responded. You know, uh, that's what I like. You know, they took it. You know, they took the. I didn't yell, but I was kind of, I was pretty hard on the guys in the sense that we got to sometimes dig, and they went and played a great third. So uh, that's a lot. Of, it's a character win. A lot of guys showed up tonight. Uh, thought the D played well. Thought Petey in the third led. You know, I thought Millsy had a great game. I mean, Kuzi, You know. Mr. Clutch. I mean, there's a lot of guys. I thought they, uh, the role players, the almond line was good. Pods Colson was good in the third. Like, you know, we didn't have any passengers, which is which is really, when you're, a good, you know, become a good team, that's what you need. See, also had a couple big saves in overtime, too. Yeah, that was nice to see. You know, gets his confidence going, you know, the, to do that. Um, you know, he was in the minors what, a week ago or two weeks ago and uh, just won a couple of games back-to-back. Nice. The one thing you have seen a lot of so far is kind of this resilience. You probably don't like being down in games, but yeah. you've seen your team come back. How much does that bode well for the future and what you're trying to build that they have that kind of resilience? Yeah, resiliency is, you know, it's character. You know, it's believing in things. You know, uh, it's not giving up. You know, I know uh, we're in the standings where we're at, and but the guys, you know, they want to give an effort every night. You know, we're, we're going to have our bumps and, you know, in the road every once in a while, but I think for the most part, uh, you know, like I said, these type of wins coming back from Nashville, you know, it builds, it does build character and it builds something, you know, it builds a foundation. You didn't see enough of Ratu to get an initial read on him? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, all fairness to him, there's some stretches I couldn't get him out there for whatever reason, penalty kill, power play, so, you know, you're sitting there for six minutes, so, 
Um, you know, I know that he's uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot there, and uh, it's my job and the coaching staff and to develop him, and I think we can. You've seen a lot of PD when he was winding up with the puck. There, Did, could you see what he was going to try? Yeah, well, you could tell uh, when he started winding up. I know he, you know that's when you know he wants the puck, and uh, I mean the guy's got an all-world shot. You know, he had a lot of chances early in the game, um, and uh, but that was you know it was a laser. I thought Bennington played well tonight too, very well, and that was a laser. Did you talk to him about his defensive play on the short goal? Well, it was a, that line. You know, that, I love I love those guys, but they got to defend a little harder. But you know, he what do you call it? he shoved it up my butt? You know, <laughs> which I like. You know, I, I, call, I, went, I went after him, and he he did a hell of a job on the PK, and then he does a, he scores a big overtime. So good for him. It's good, it's a great player. Uh, that is Rick Tockett uh, talking uh, about how the team found a way to win 3-2 in overtime. No passengers tonight. And, you know, he, he had a lot of credit for a number of players. He mentioned how Kuzmenko called him Mr. Clutch, put Colson good in the third period. Uh, really strong game from J.T. Miller. The last bit on Elias Patterson, though. It's like, you know, he was a bit critical of him before in terms of his PK play, his two-way play a little bit. They've said they want more from him. And boy, did he show that, picking off that pass, like we mentioned, leading to the JT Miller goal, then scores a goal in overtime. And, you know, Tockett's mentioned a few times how good Pedersen is. And he's tried, and he's tried to, to, to keep it somewhat, you know, cool for the most part. Mentioned that he views him potentially as, as a top 10 player and everything. But... It's one of those games tonight. It's kind of like, yeah, great hockey player. What, what else are you going to say about what, what Patterson did tonight? He was phenomenal, right? In the back half of that game, took it over. And we talked about 17 shot attempts from Elias Patterson. So 17. This, 10 this, on goal. 10 on goal. So this game went through Elias Patterson. And the ice was tilted in the Canucks' favor throughout the course of this game. The Blues, you and I were talking that the the – Overall puck possession time that we have access to with the puck tracking data was fairly even, mm-hmm. but the Blues tend to be okay with holding onto the puck and yes. being a bit more methodical and slower. But when Pedersen was on the ice in the back half of that game, tempo picked up, and they're trying to create something with Beauvillier and Kuzmenko. And I thought uh, the two wingers, I-, I thought, were fairly consistent throughout the game. Uh, had a couple issues defensively, as they're mm-hmm. going to have, but... Because Michael obviously is still a developing player, yeah, but strong game from that line. Yeah, very strong game. Uh, we have a question here. Thoughts on Pods and Ratu tonight? We'll answer that on the other side. We'll talk about those two players, and we'll hit more of your questions and more of your comments, more of your phone calls, and we'll hear from Canucks players post game, including Atu Ratu. Ian McIntyre will join us for the final segment as we roll on here on the Canucks Central post game show. 604-280-0650 are your phone numbers to call, or one triple eight two seven five zero six fifty, and keep those thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox six fifty six fifty on the home. Your Canucks, Sportsnet 650, and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Back to more Canucks Central post-game show coverage. This is where you talk Canucks on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650, and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Drops near half wall for JT Miller. Over to the right side, Pedersen shoots right on. Stopped by Minutes and rebound. They score. Andre Kuzmenko ties the game in the third period in the final minute for the second straight game. And it's 2-2 with 28 seconds left. This team will not quit. 
Canucks didn't quit, winning overtime. 3-2 over the Blues. Elias Patterson with a big goal. Three-point performance. Andre Kuzmenko yet again. Game time goal in the dying seconds. It's Satyar Shah with Bick Nazar on the home of your Canucks Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, we will get to more of your phone uh, phone calls coming up in just a second. 604-280-0650 or toll-free 1-888-275-0650. Um, we have... A lot of questions. I, I did tease one, which we we're going to get to. Put Colson and Atu Ratu. Put Colson, we spoke about a bit earlier, uh, and the head coach singled him out about getting more ice time in the third, and he played better. He was physical. You're starting to see that side of his game come out a bit more. As far as Atu Ratu is concerned, clearly the skating, especially the first few steps, that has to improve. The stride has to improve. But outside of that, in terms of how he thinks the game, offensively, defensively, being in the right lane, supporting the play, winning battles along the boards, taking a hit to make a play and being sturdy enough to stand that up. There are a lot of tangible skills and things he has, and you see what the Canucks like in him. But at the same time, you also see there's a lot of work he can do. But in terms of his debut as a Canuck and looking at some long-term tools that he has and abilities, I think it was a positive performance overall. For sure. Uh, again, it wasn't exactly like a bushel full of ice time. Yeah. Seven minutes and 37 seconds. So small sample size to what to to analyze here, and it's 11 shifts total. But there was a couple of shifts that stood out. The one that does near the end, or in the third period at least, it's the one that uh, leads to the, the Sheldon Drives fight where Put Colson launches Tucker into the net. It starts in the own zone. A bit of a clumsy clearance by Ratu, but they make it work. It winds up being a transition chance. And Ratu takes a hit to try to make a pass. And the even the hit attempt mm-hmm. wasn't even that strong. Or at least Ratu was able to just withstand it and still be on his feet. Uh, I can't remember who tried through, throwing the hit. But it was, you know, shrugged him off easily and is able to get that pass over to Sheldon Drys, who you know put it in the net that was coming off and Biddington was down. But that was a nice play. Uh, and then you mentioned the other one earlier, which is kind of supporting the play uh, through the end of a shift in yeah. the second period with a long change. Yeah, and coming back to support Myers, links it up to Drys to get out of the zone and wins a battle after blocking off a passing lane, getting out of the zone. There were a couple of nice shifts, but again, the there was no shift that submarine the line Mm -hmm. but you see missed opportunities because of the skating yeah and if that if the pace picks up there'll be more that he can do and and it has to and it's a correctable thing it takes a lot of work we've seen it before takes work takes time takes off-season training that's gonna be the big thing yeah and and, and that's it exactly it's it it is gonna take time and that's where it's at like but it can get there like it certainly can and uh, not a bad debut for the first time uh, we saw as a Canuck. Um, our friend Austin and Langley says, I switched off in the third and overtime, so this time you can blame it on me. It's his fault the Canucks oh. came back to win the game. Oh. All right, Austin. It's on you, man. There it's on you. So you're not catching strays. You're actually catching real bullets. I, I, I like uh, the accountability from Austin, though, showing up, saying, I'll, I'll take it on the chin. So the bullets are going to come flying from the uh, textures, 650-650. Yeah, it certainly will. Peter says, as with everything Canucks, this organization will find a way to disappoint us with way too many wins down the stretch. I'm an exhausted fan, ras- rapidly losing interest. Go Jets. That's Peter texting it. I get it, but I'm still unconvinced they're going to win a lot of games down the stretch. And I'm saying this when they've won a bunch of games now. And it's funny, I was like, they're winning too many games. Like they're still the, They still have the worst record since January 1st. Bunch. <laughs> it's it's three this month. Yeah, they have three. 
They three have, wins this month. It's like, they, oh, they're winning a bunch. They picked up five of their last six points. Is that thing? That's what it is, right? Uh, correct, yeah. Yeah. So they, they've won two and a half games in a row. And it's like, you're doing too much. And you might be doing too much. Who knows what by the time we get to the end. They have a Charlie Sheen record. <laughs> they do. They certainly winning. do. Winning. Uh, kind of, kind of. Brandon in Vancouver. What happened in overtime with Baron Miller? I was very confused. Uh, talking about the play where uh, Miller took the shot off and, and was late to come off. Or were we talking about a bit later on when there was some confusion about who was coming on, on and off the ice? I think Miller just been out there. I think that's the play. That's the one. He was on too long. And, and I, I don't think he off. wanted the puck. I think he may have been waving that like, he was I'm waving going to the bench. It, he was waving it off because he took a shot to the face and he was trying to get off the ice mm-hmm. and he was trying to wave off the pass and he was just, I think that's what it was more than anything else on that play. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll hit some more t- text messages here uh, as the show goes on, but let's go to the phone boards and we'll start things off in Kamloops with John, who's been waiting patiently to get on. John, thanks for hanging on to your line. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Yeah, I've been a watching the Canucks and listening to the Canucks on the radio for longer than I'd like to admit. And I can remember them missing out on Gilbert Perot in 1970 and the next year. It looked like they were going to get the number two pick. Then they put on you know, uh, an offensive display there and got uh, uh, past Detroit and ended up getting Jocelyn Gouvermont instead of Marcel Dion. And how much different would they have looked in the first 10 years if they had Pro and Dion as their first two centers? So I think even if they get Bedard, which they probably won't, they'll still, they still have to get a whole bunch more players and mold them into, you know, a team that's going to win, you know, and they just never seem to get it all right, you know? And it just, it just seems that they're sort of born under the wrong star or something. They can't get it right. Hey, John, thanks for the phone call. So John uh, believes the Canucks are kind of doomed like the past, that they haven't been able to get it right. And I see it on social media as well, people responding uh, and, and talking about how the Canucks always win meaningless games late in the season and ruin their draft positioning. It's a lot different now because of... Canucks are on Aquarius and <laughs> right. the rest of the NHL is a Taurus. And that's why... You they know, invest people... in Scorpios. That's never going to work. <laughs> and had they had they had a few more Aquarius, maybe they would... The moon was in the third sun. <laughs> yeah. I'm that sorry. Is... I'm going to apologize to all the astrology majors <laughs> i probably butchered a lot of that but. astrology i mean that's all suit i mean okay you know what Let, let's just <laughs> let's just leave it but i i understand i just don't know how much you what you're gonna do what you can do about a lottery situation now right like the Canucks might get the worst odds and still pick outs of the top three. It's 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 just out of your control. It, it really is out of your control. All you we want, all, we all understand the benefits. We all we get all, it. Listen, we've been sitting here talking about how how much how much big of a chance they have to finish in the bottom five. I still believe they do. I know their schedule gets quote unquote easy, and they've beaten all these easy teams. But are they going to go undefeated against these teams? Have you seen how hard Arizona plays? They play tough. Anaheim pulled out a victory tonight. Well, yeah. They don't play as tough. No, but they, they pull out a win tonight. It, it, it is funny looking at the, the bottom teams across the league. I was mentioning this the other day. We didn't get a chance to go through the point, though. You go through the bottom eight teams. Philly's got a new coach in Torts. They play hard. Montreal's got a new coach. Martin, Martin St. Louis, they play hard. Arizona, new coach, they play hard. San Jose, David Quinn, new coach, they play hard. Chicago, they play hard. It's, you know, Columbus has got a kind of new coach. They're not very good, but they kind of play hard. It's really just Anaheim and Vancouver up until recently, obviously with the talket change. But by and large, like the Canucks have had their issues playing consistently yeah. effective hockey and difficult for the other team. Recently, obviously, it's been improving under Rick Tockett. But still, like a lot of the teams around them have that new coach smell 
And a lot of those teams try really hard. St. Louis now entering the fold. It can be a bit hit and miss sometimes. Washington, are they starting to slide out a bit? But Ottawa plays hard. And that more than anything is what I'm looking at. And we'll see if it persists for the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. Honestly, I'm very skeptical. Uh, This text unsigned. Guys, no, I got it. We're in an extended Saturn Saturn return. That's Ooh. why. All right. Thank that you. makes sense. Yeah, I wasn't sure if could the be planet it. was in the right could quadrant. Be yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's continue on the phone boards. Let's go to New West where we have Sean on the line. Sean, thanks for calling in. What do you have for us tonight? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Uh, just to, you just kind of still stole some of my thunder, basically, as far as, you know, it's out of, out of everyone's control, this whole tanking thing. I mean, players, they play to win at the end of the day. Yeah. They're not thinking about draft picks on the ice. I mean, let's be real. As long as Elias Pedersen's on this team and plays like Superman, on a lot of nights, this team isn't going to finish like a top three worst in the in the NHL, right? At the end mm-hmm. of the day, and it's a tough lottery at the end of the day. So, what we have to do is just let the, let's, let the chips play out. And realistically, they weren't going to lose twenty five straight games the last twenty five. That's just not realistic. So I don't know why anyone thinks that they're going to get some points. They're going to get some wins. So, you know, it is what it is, right? There's no point stressing over something that no one can control. And that's really that's all I got to say. Hey, uh, Sean, thanks for the phone call. Uh, I get listen. Like I totally understand the want for high draft pick. Nobody wants a high draft pick more than we do as well. Believe me, nobody does, right? The way the games unfold is just the way the games are going to unfold. And you're going to have to break them down the way you can break them down. If they won this game and they were playing really horribly and Sheldon Drys got a couple goals and they pulled it out of their butts, I'd be sitting here saying, you know what? That's a really crappy loss. Because win because pulling out of the butts and shoving <laughs> man, it's a wild <laughs> thing today with a the wild uh... one tonight. I see people mentioning the Rick Tockett take. But if you were winning that game, I think the mood we'd be sitting here talking about. Yeah, I know they won this game. What are you gonna do? The guys work hard, but yeah, that one stings. Like it's completely meaningless. Mm-hmm. When Pedersen goes supernova, when Kuzmenko decides to tie the game, these are your foundational players long term. JT and they do things to win. That's gonna happen. You you live with those ones. And how sustainable is this? Hughes is playing thirty minutes. Thirty minutes. He's gonna tire. JT played twenty four minutes again. You see the next four games coming up. Like if now the they got to travel cross country. If the, the Canucks come back and play Boston, then they go on the road and play Dallas. These next four games, they might pick up one point or no points. And I know they're good teams. People expect them to lose those and everything. But the ups and downs with every loss for the draft lotteries. I, I think we need everyone needs to kind of take take a breath. Drive you wild. You, you got to chill. There's still 24 games to go. Almost a third of the season to go. That's a lot of games for you to live and die for. It to, they're not going to lose 24 games in a row here. They're not. They're going to have some wins. you got to be able to ride the wave here. Uh, this unsigned text, uh, gentlemen, I will send another text. Maybe it came in earlier as well. Why do you think Miller is putting in effort now and blocking shots? I think most fans are frustrated that we don't have a long-term plan, want rebuild and get high draft picks. Uh, is everyone okay with being mediocre and going through the motions and never getting, never picking a high draft pick? This team will not get any better if we don't rebuild. What are your thoughts? Well, they've traded the captain. They've, they're holding out Luke Chen for a trade to get yeah. another pick. Again, I mean, if, if you were to label, shut- if you were to label this as something else, like this, they're making rebuild type transactions. So I they've acquired another first round pick. They got a prospect. So the, the Canucks roster heading into the season was way too good to tank, quote unquote tank. It was like they have too many players to tank, but they find themselves in this situation because they've had a devastating season overall as a team. They have Ilya Mikheyev done for the year. They have Tanner Pearson done for the year. Even Tucker Pullman done for the year. So you're talking about three players who were considered 
big contributors, or at least guys are going to play to some extent, even Tucker Pullman, they're gone for the season, right? Oliver Ekman Larson, he's injured. We're not quite sure how long he's going to be out for. Travis Dermott is, is injured, and he's out for the next little bit. Thatcher Demko, they're slow playing his return, and even when he does return, what is he going to look like? How many games is he going to play? They traded Bo Horvat. You've mentioned the Keem and Luke Shannon trying to do other things. Like, how much more can this team do? Like, there isn't a lot more they can do outside of sitting Pedersen and Kuzmenko and Miller and these guys. Somebody texted in and said, is playing them less too much to ask for? I think that's a good point. And we mentioned that too. Like, can you keep running these guys this much? But to the, to the other point of it, though, if they keep playing these guys this much, guess what's going to happen? They're going to run out of gas. And what happens if they run out of gas? They'll lose more hockey games. Again, like this is not very sustainable. To me, it's not. Like maybe I'll be wrong by the end of the year and people can come, there you come go. back Use and my say, word again. You know, but I don't know, man. I, uh, I, I see a team that's going to lose a lot of hockey games. Texts are texting in 650-650. Competitive people with a good work ethic are not making these comments regarding tanking. <laughs> Shots fired. Yes. Shots fired. I love it. I love I love people that, that want to compete. Always compete, man. Always compete. Uh, all right, let's, let's take one more phone call, and then we'll get to some player audio before we hit more of your text messages. 650-650. Uh, and we go to our friend Gary in Maple Ridge, hanging on for a while. Gary, thanks for holding on to your line. What do you have for us here? Well, I'm going to stick a little bit of a fork in this conversation and say something here. Uh, we've, all, we've been talking about Kuzmenko. We've been talking about Pedersen. We've been talking about JT Miller. Well, what about the fact that we lost our number one goaltender? Now, I'm going to say this. If, uh, if uh, Tampa Bay lost their number one goaltender, where would they be? If the Boston Bruins lost their number one goaltender, where would they be? When you lose your number one goaltender, and there's not a tree out there that happens to have number one goaltenders on it that you can trade for or whatever, and general managers don't give them away very much, if that happens, not only do the people on the stands gasp, but I guarantee the general manager had a heart attack. That's why we are where we are, on top of having not a very good defense, but having a bat, having three, two goaltenders that can't stop the puck, it doesn't help. And by the way, when I saw that goal that Pedersen made, if nobody liked that, go and watch ping pong, okay? All right. Hey, hey thanks for the phone call, Gary. Uh, that's Gary calling in. And listen, if Tampa didn't have a netminder, the, the number, they lost the number one goalie, they'd struggle, but I'd still think they'd be competitive. I say the same thing about the Boston Bruins. They still be competitive. Brian Elliott's had a good year. I think he's nine two and two or nine three and two, something like that. I was yeah, I was day. joking about what twenty games ago or whatever. We're, we're joking about Canadian goaltenders, and I'm like, if you're trying to put together a team, Canada, like Brian Elliott's in the mix. Canada has no goalies. <laughs> That's what you say? <laughs> yeah. Just, I was kidding. I'm saying the Canucks. The, there's so few good Canadian goalies right now that Brian Elliott's like top five in wins. That it was actually true for a while. That that's where it was at. Like I was kind of joking mm. about it. But to your point, yes, Brian Elliott's been fine. Mm-hmm. But that team plays so well in front of their netminder, it's okay. Jeremy Swayman's been good too. Thirteen, yeah, been good. four and four for yeah. uh, the best team in hockey. Which, by the way, I keep looking up at the screen. The Seattle Boston game. Every time I look up, someone's scoring a goal. Four four right now. Yeah, no doubt. They go into the second intermission. Uh, Gary and Langley. What more can they do? Play Hughes less? Sure. And, and again, like you play Hughes less, perhaps you play Hughes a lot. He's going to run out of gas as the season goes on. I don't think there's much winning here. <laughs> like, 
you know what I mean? Like people are like, how do you find a way to lose? It's like you can look at it two ways. You can say, well, uh, maybe you can just play more other guys more minutes, and that way, you know, the team will be bad, which could actually keep the other guys fresh when they do play. Maybe they produce a bit more. Or you can look at it and say, maybe you keep running these guys into the ground, and as you get to the end of the season, they got nothing left, and you lose more games against the bad teams. Either way you look at it, the Canucks are undermanned. They don't have a good team. They have to go supernova and lean on guys heavily to win hockey games. And it's not sustainable, guys. It's not sustainable. Like, you're going to play Quinn Hughes 30 minutes a game the rest of the season? He's going to be done. Done! You think Kuzmenko's going to score game-tying goals in a dying seconds for the rest of the season here? Because, by the way, here he is late in the game producing points. Remember that conversation? Exactly. There he is. Oh, goodness me. And maybe his hold my beer will do it, right? Like, Pedersen is going to have a three-point game and and decide to put the game on his shoulder and have ten shot attempts to win. Like, these are the things the Canucks are doing here, guys. Sometimes the other team is going to score an empty net goal against you. Yeah, I mean, they won this game because Pedersen had ten shots on goal, had three points because Mick had another game-tying goal. And I know the Canucks outplayed the Blues for much of the game, but just look at how they won this hockey game and how much of that is repeatable consistently. And, and people say, well, what about Demko when he comes back? What's your answer to Demko? He was 3-10-2 this year. Not only that, and so there's 24 games remaining. What's the most Demko's going to play of these 24 games? 10? Because he's, he's a few games away from, the away from starting. The rest of the way here? Yeah, maximum 10, right? Yeah. Maximum 10. So out of those 10 games, how many do you think we might see vintage Thatcher Demko performances for a guy who's barely played, struggled, and is trying to gain his confidence back? I'll set the over at two and a half. Let's say he has four. He then has to win about. those. Yeah. yeah, but exactly. What I'm saying is like... Just, like they were bad last year and he was vintage all year long. And, and people say you guys are too positive. How about... like This is a very negative take about this hockey team. Look at this team and how they're winning games. Look at the schedule the rest of the year. Logically think about Demko, how he's played, when he comes back, how he might perform, how this team is going to go about things. Wins are not sure the rest of the season. You know, like I get people in the moment are very upset because of the draft lottery odds and everything. And and you know what? Like, hey, maybe having emotional investment still matters. And it's good that you have it and you have this reaction to a victory because you see the big picture of it and everything. But I'd say look at the big picture still with this team and have a hard time seeing them winning winning a lot more hockey games. Currently on pace for 72 points now. 72. We talked about it. Uh, we've been referencing it the, the, the past couple of weeks here. When there was oh, 27 games left, we kind of set the total at 75. Mm-hmm. We both took the under, and then we had to readjust and say, hey, 72 and a half. Last post game, we said somewhere between 65 and 68 points. And I still firmly believe that. Somewhere between 65 and 68 points, I think, was where this team ultimately lands. And even that is, is going to require some work. We'll see if they can uh, keep that torrid pace up set to, to try to get a seven in front of their their point total. Yeah, I, I mean... I I have a hard time seeing that. I really do. I really have a hard time seeing them getting to that level. Uh, keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. Uh, you can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650. Uh, and Bick, a lot of thoughts, as always, coming in here. The additional risk is also injury. You don't want guys to have off-season surgery. Absolutely. And Hey, it's a criticism. Like None of us want to see the guys play too much down the stretch. I just don't think that's going to help them win a lot of games if they keep doing that. That's the biggest thing. 
It's an occupational hazard. <laughs> uh, 650. 650 as well. Uh, this one, Al from Nelson. How can you not cheer for that falling for this team again? Uh, they're not rolling over. And Jay and Poco on the other side saying, it's so great all these individual victories come at a cost at a generational talent. Individual performance means nothing when most of your team is a mess and the only way of fixing it is getting more high-end talent. 650, 650. Yeah, and the higher-end talent. Leas Pedersen's high-end talent. Fifth overall pick this year's draft. It's hard to envision outside the top four that you're going to get a, a Pedersen player this year. But you've hey, been watching a lot of guys here recently. I have. So, from my opinion on this, and I don't watch guys as much as other people do, and I'm trying to watch as much as I can by the end of the season to have a real firm grasp on it. But clearly, Bedard, Fantilli, uh, Leo Carlson, and, and Mitchkov, those are your top four. And as we sit here today, it's hard to look at other players and say there's somebody outside that's going to be as good as those players. But guess what? They happen in draft all the time, mm-hmm. right? It's about identifying those but guys. But it's looking at range of outcomes and who could have a high ceiling. So there's a few guys that... that I, so the, the guy I'm not as high on as some other people is Will Smith, the super talented skill guy. There are two, there's three, two guys in particular that I'm really intrigued by. One is Oliver Moore, the center at a USND TPP program. And I'm also, there. yeah, yeah and, and Ryan Leonard, even, mm-hmm. who's also a center and can play winger. I throw his third guy in. My only question is, can he play center or not? But Zach Benson, sure. Yep. Watching him more, he's really smart pick. Like, you'd love his defensive awareness and how good his stick is defensively and just how engaged he is, super smart. I'm just not sure he's going to be a center. And that's, how, that's my only question, really, ultimate upside. But, there of those players, and that's not to mention even guys like Dalibor Dvorsky, who some view as potentially being a strong two-way centerman. And you know, do you think Andrew Kristol? I'm not quite sure he's going to be the guy, but he's kind of in the discussion. Axel Sandin Palika could end up being the best defenseman in this draft. David Reinbacher, those are two right-hand defensemen. Is there a Maurice Sider here potentially? I don't know, but some people wonder that about one or two of those types of players. Who knows, right? Like. Is somebody else going to find the Pedersen type or Cider type that we didn't expect to come in this year's draft? But there are players who are options this year. So if the Canucks don't get a top four pick, even if they finish, you know, second or third worst or whatever, they could come away with a real gem. Like it's a really strong draft, especially in that six, seven, eight range, because you can you get your pick up some really intriguing players. And even a few picks down from that, there's some really interesting guys. Yeah, as I try to increase my volume of uh, more prospect uh, viewings, uh, Oliver Moore is certainly one that stands out. Uh, I'll throw another name out there as well, Nate Danielson. Uh, again, just for me, uh, right-handed shot helps, but also bigger body too, but methodical player. And you and I have done this exercise so many times, just looking at guys and certain profiles and archetypes that we tend to gravitate towards and past, like a Matt Coronado was someone that I was like, all right, this is a guy who's in that, uh, maybe the Braden Point mold, who isn't prolific as a physical traits, but you see just the constant effectiveness around the ice. Someone I just noticed with like a Nate Danielson, who just mm-hmm. making smart plays and we'll see if the rest kind of follows up and gets to a stage where body fills out and you see the real effectiveness well that's what so as much as you don't maybe maybe not want to get like that uh winger with that top pick but if you get two picks in the top 16 you might take the most talented winger and then come away with a really interesting centerman or even a defenseman with that second pick and that's what makes this year's draft intriguing for the canucks who may have two selections in the first round we'll see what the islanders do we'll continue here on the post game show with satyar shaw with big nazar we'll hear from ian mcintyre and canucks players post game after a 3-2 win in st louis against the blues on the home of your canucks sportsnet 650 and the sportsnet radio network
Canucks Central Post Game Show. Bringing you the most Canucks coverage in BC. Only on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Yeah, it's just a great comeback from, from the team. Um, I, I think still the, the whole game, I think we, we, we had chances every five minutes. I feel like like there wasn't time that, that you know, I don't, I don't think we were down the road there. Uh, just kind of, it's obviously not ideal to, to kind of, for for the for the team to to kind of kind of score and then get a power play, but then let up let up a goal and the goal gets disallowed. So that was that was definitely a tough setback. But it's it's show show some character from the team to to overcome that and then come back from from 0-2 on the third. That is Atu Ratu making his debut as a Vancouver Canuck tonight, and uh, shared his thoughts on what he saw this evening and. Uh, found a way to win this game but already he does it you know people wonder what is english like pretty strong english mm-hmm. english for the kid yeah and a, a reasonable day today yes in seven minutes okay. and 37 seconds didn't blow the hinges off the door didn't disappoint did it seven minutes didn't stand out for any negative reasons the, the things the things that we've highlighted and say hey good play it's a little exaggerating because obviously there's a certain focus on him. It wasn't overwhelmingly positive. It wasn't overwhelmingly negative. That's a debut gone fine. It was fine. And now, is he going to be still in the lineup? We'll find out coming up on Saturday against the Bruins and how this Canucks roster shapes up for that game and the rest of the season. We are going to get to more audio. We're here from Elias Patterson, But, Bick, a lot of reaction on the text inbox, 650 650-650. This one from Devin in Saskatoon. Benson has the most out- upside outside the top four. Reinbacher might be the fifth most upside with his size. Hope he's there with the Isles pick, wherever that is. That's Devin in Saskatoon chiming in on the draft talk. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's going to be interesting as we get closer to draft day. Uh, a lot of different opinions because when you have a class that is as deep as this set, you're going to get people stumping for their guys because they say, hey, I like this guy more. I like this guy more because there's such depth and quality in this draft doesn't mean one guy's isn't a top 20 guy or a top 15 guy whatever it is it just shows different personalities going to gravitate towards different players certainly i think though there's going to be talent available uh from four to 16 in this draft 650 650 uh this one kevin and west Kelowna guys how much of an impact do you think bedard will actually have there have been lots of first overall picks that don't do in the nhl what they did in junior i think it's gonna be scary it's he's gonna be really good i think it's gonna be scary good so i was actually chatting with josh before uh canuck central today a bit we were talking about the prospects and so who could be the player that ends up being the best player in the draft if it's not Connor sure. Bedard, and my guess would be Mitchkov. If I had to put my money down on who could end up being the best player in this draft, not named Bedard, it's easy to say Fantilli or Carlson, but I'd say Mitchkov because of the incredible upside he has. And everything clicks for him, then it could really look good. Because where it could go wrong for Bedard, and, and when I say wrong, I say he might just not be a Connor McDavid type player because he, does, he doesn't have the size of McDavid, right? Could he ultimately be a winger and not a center? And could he be more of a scoring winger? And 
is he going to be able to dangle guys and walk through guys the way he does at the end? Like, that's going to be harder to do. Mm-hmm. So he's going to have to... Sh- and but we one thing about him, though, his shot's elite. He gets it off incredibly quickly. There was a goal he scored the other night I saw. It was off his stick in half a second. Not even half a second. It's incredible how quickly he gets that shot off. So he can certainly just shoot, shoot and score as well. But if he can't do a lot of that stuff that he's doing, and if he can't play center, I do think the upside does come down a bit. And I think there is a world where he's a really good scoring winger that has some flaws. Like, I think there's a world where that exists to answer Kevin's point, but I'm still not betting against it. You know, like, I still look at Bedard as being the guy you want. And if you have a chance to get him, you take him because the upside is so absolutely tantalizing. But I don't think we, we spend enough time wondering what him not hitting looks like because there's a chance he's not the player everybody thinks he is. For sure. Uh, Rick texting in 650-650. Draft talk is intriguing, as you say, but all this talk is Canadian and American players. Two of the countries the Canucks have never been that high on in picking draft-eligible players. Uh, here's the thing. It's like Quinn Hughes, Brock Besser, Thatcher Demko. It's all American-born players. Uh, Jake Furtanen, Jared McCann. Going back to 2014, Horvat's uh, 2013. That's a Canadian player. Obviously, Patterson, uh, Swedish. Put Colson and uh, Hoaglander. But like they, the team right now is primarily made up of American players. Mm-hmm. Connor Garland's American. JT Miller's American. Uh, not that this matters at all, but the the text coming in 650 650 uh, with the point of looking for North American players. Uh, they've 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 drafted a bunch. Yeah, and, no, they have. I mean, and you know, the funny thing is a lot of the North American players they've drafted have been the biggest busts they've had. Mm-hmm. You know, I know Ulevi's was a huge one fifth overall, but go through the years too. Like, hey, drafting is an inexact science. It truly is. And you are going to miss on a few. What you need more than anything to have successful drafting is having lots of picks. Like that's it. Like there, there. You need a lot of draft picks. More darts at the dartboard. Yeah. Like no team has shown in history to be significantly better than other teams with just a regular allotment of picks. The teams that have had success have had been teams that have had a lot of draft picks. And their teams in all sports. Yeah. Some have hot streaks, and then followed up by notoriously bad cold streaks. Yeah. That's how it goes. Until someone perfects the art of drafting, and and you got to remember in all sports, like you're drafting sub twenty three year olds. Do you remember what you were like at 21 years old, Sat? Really stupid. <laughs> Even at no, 31. No, but, but what's different from <laughs> what was changed? Oh, not not much. How have you say. changed personally <laughs> since 19 years old to, to 27 to, to in, however in so old many you different are. ways. In so many ways. Like not even the same person anymore. In so many and ways. someone who can be polished now, yeah. polished at 18 years old, get a little success, get a little money. Does that change you? That's part of the equation. Mm-hmm. Do you mature as a person? Are you kind of a punk at 18 years old and mm-hmm. get to the show and get pushed around a little bit and say, hey, I got to clean up my act and I got to do this. I got to get better. That's part of the equation too. Figuring out personalities of how they're going to develop, impossible, mm-hmm. impossible thing to do. You're making educated guesses. And that's why the draft is so fascinating and so frustrating and mind-boggling and so exciting all at the same time it's an exercise in futility no it really is and and the only thing that's on the line is people's livelihoods and that's it that's fans emotions and so many so much of it matters like development is a huge part of it to organizationally but just human beings in general like you get drafted when you're 18 
you know so much can happen in the next three to four years until you get to the age 22 and just like I've spoken to some scouts around the league and one of the scouts I was talking to said the biggest thing that we have to figure out isn't a player's skill like it's not hard to figure out which guy is skilled which guy is smart how a guy can play the biggest one is to make sure that which guys are you betting on whose life's are going to go the way they need to go for them to be successful players. Like, what happens off the ice? What happens personally to them? What is their experience like? What happens for them to be wired a certain way? Like, those are the things you don't have control over, the human element of things, and how many things can happen to a human being from that age until they get to the NHL that can derail their life. And it's not necessarily injuries. It could be certain other things that happen. A couple of texts here. Sean from Sullivan, great postgame show. Is Mitchkov signed until 2025-26? That's a long time to wait for a top five pick. So, yes, there is a, there is that a delay that you have to wait for It doesn't Mitchkov. mean you would have to wait that long necessarily. You can always try to work it out. But, yes, it, that is the biggest uh, ointment, the flying the ointment for him. Uh, this one, uh, I, I like discussing hypotheticals. Okay. Say if the miracle happens, can I get Bedard? Who do you like him playing with and over-under on goals points for next year, assuming he would play all 82? So let's talk hypotheticals. Oh, I, I, th- I throw in with Mikheyev and Miller. Oh, that's not exciting. Oh, I only say that because that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, I, I, thought, I thought we were going to have different answers here. <laughs> no, because I think... I mean, and, and Miller on the left wing. Mikheyev, yes. Yeah. Exactly. Like, oh, man. <laughs> we think too alike, too alike sometimes. Josh, what do you say? <laughs> what do you think, Josh? Who would you play Bedard with? Patterson. Put him with Patterson. Put him with Patterson. There we go. Come yes. on. <laughs> Thank Patterson you. and Kuzmanko. All right. Yeah. Who's playing the wing? Uh, Bedard. Okay. Bedard. Yeah. I mean, hey. And maybe you work him up to center. The only thing is you do Patterson, Kuzmanko, and Bedard. That's a... Uh, Somebody's got to dig pucks out. <laughs> like somebody's gonna have to dig pucks out somewhere. Have you not seen what what Michael's doing here recently? <laughs> They're just gonna score. They're not gonna have yeah. to dig any pucks. Uh, man, I'm so becoming old hockey. Man. I'm like, who who's gonna who's, who's gonna throw who's the body? On the walls? Who's gonna be on the wall? Who's gonna win? <laughs> uh, over under what points would be for Bedard? I, I'm just I'm gonna set it conservatively. I'll say like eighty and a half. And that's still scary high. 80 and a half. Yeah, that's probably fair. Man, it's so much hype. Everyone insane, would, everyone would bang the over and yeah. be like, what a stupid line. And at the same you, time... You bet you the can't... under because like, he misses two weeks and he might not get 80 yeah. games. 80 uh, another text in here, 650, 650. What's Pedersen on pace for now? I believe it's 110 points. Yeah, close to that. 110 points. Like he was at 108 coming into yeah. the game, so it was so 110. Yeah. yeah, so he's getting close to that. Um, this one here: Are the Canucks considering including Pud Coles in a Sweden a Besser deal? Um, no, I don't think so. I think the only way the Canucks move Pud Coles in if there's a hockey deal, because I mean, hey, we what, what we do know is Pedersen and Hughes are untouchable, pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Everything else they'll listen to. I don't think they're trying to trade Pud Coles in at all. Have somebody called on him, maybe. Like, would they move him for the right player? Would they move him to get money off the books? I don't think so. To me, that's ludicrous. Uh, more hypotheticals coming in. 650, I love 650. it. 650. Uh, Devin in Saskatoon, multiple texter. Good shift tonight from Devin. Uh, do you think uh, Canucks would trade down from their own pick and end up with three first-round picks with the Isles pick included? Uh, options uh, would seem to be the Blues or Washington for them trading up and using multiple firsts. 
I just wonder if the Blues are even going to have all their picks. Yeah, they seem aggressive here. They're the, their current allotment of picks. I, I'm skeptical that they will have those come draft day. Yeah, I'm with you. They, they look like a team that's going to be looking to do some things. I don't know if I trade down from six or seven or five. But to Devin's point, he continues this onwards. Uh, could get Reinbacher, Sandin Pelica, and a forward then. So if you want to start flushing in D-man into this organization. If you're picking, if you're picking sixth or seventh, I can get behind it. Fifth or sixth, I probably just hold on to it and make the selection. But there, you know, I can get behind it. All right, uh, keep the thoughts coming in. Love the text messages. We'll try to hit a few more before Ian McIntyre. But we mentioned Elias Pettersson, three points tonight, including the game winner in overtime, and here he is meeting with the media post game. Yeah, I think so. I think we uh, we had mostly good things today. I think we shots, we won the shots by a lot and uh, creating a lot, but. Um, yeah, but uh, we played full 60 minutes and happy we got to win. 65 minutes almost, maybe walk yeah. through the winning goal. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was nice. I mean, I I mean you said five minutes earlier I had 10 shots today. I think I n- never had that before. Felt good, but the puck wouldn't uh, find a way in until the last shot, I guess. So happy with that. All you had on your mind, it looked like when you were winding up in your own zone, that's what you planned yeah, to do. Yeah, I saw, um, I think it was Bowie was past me, and I had a, had some ice to work with, so I just tried to get as much speed as possible. Uh, I was thinking going towards the inside, but he covered that, so went outside, tried to shoot far, and yeah, we Hard to believe, as well as the team played, that you guys were down 2 nothing. Yeah, yeah. I guess, but I mean, I uh, I made a stupid play on the on their first goal. I shouldn't dive in like that. So I sell myself. Um, and then second, their second goal, it's almost high stick, uh, but so, find a way to win. I'll just say that. <laughs> That is Elias Patterson after having a three-point performance tonight, uh, helping the Canucks win in overtime against the St. Louis Blues. We heard from Atu Ratu a bit earlier as well, the only two players who we got player audio from who mentioned playing his first game. And as far as Patterson is concerned, we heard the coach, you know, uh, be impressed yet again with what he's capable of doing. And we were talking about some hypotheticals about, you know, what this team looks like with more talent. And I mean, the Connor Bedard thing is just so tantalizing. You know, whether you want to play with Pedersen or Miller or whatever you want to do, um, you know, next season or beyond. But when Pedersen plays this way as well, the next year or so, you know, we've mentioned how players around the league may look at it as here's an opportunity where you might be able to get a chance to play with Pedersen and that can help you out in a year. You look at what Kuzmenko's done, what other players have done. The Canucks are in a bit of a transition. Can you convince somebody on a one-year deal next year or somebody to come in to do something? I don't know about next year. There might be too many bodies here right now. Like Beauvillier still yeah. going to be there. You can, you can this is, throw this in is Garland. If or... you can get rid of Garland slash Besser. Sure. I almost wonder if though Beauvillier is your kind of guy to do that. Do you inflate the numbers a little bit and then look at your next succession plan in that scenario and a year from now do what you're talking about? where buy low opportunities to play with a star center like Elias Pettersson. Mm-hmm. That might be a year removed. Yeah, I just I just think there's so much work to do along the wings as far as moving bodies out. You just might have too many people to, yeah. to try to jump into that 
category. Now, mind you, you're talking about cost-effective players. So yeah, yeah, you talk about one year. You know, it's always you there. Do. But I feel like the incumbent is going to be the one. Kuzmenko is the guy in Bavillier. Kuzmenko, Bavillier, Mikheyev. You got to throw kind of what you have already. If Besser doesn't get moved, if Garland doesn't get moved, you're going to have too many bodies. Yeah. Could well, we'll see. Well, ultimately, if this team can move some guys, and you know, we're trying to keep the streak alive because Ian's joining us, he's on the line right now. So, I wanted to, you know, he said until the trade deadline, we can talk trades before we get him on. So, I just wanted to make sure we had a trade discussion or a signing discussion before IMAC joins us. And it's time to bring him in. He is on TV, you hear him on radio, and you can read him on digital. He's the closer, we call him Ian McIntyre. Sometimes I wonder if you guys are setting me up by contriving a trade discussion. Genuinely, no. Hold. If, if you but listen to I'm, the first I'm, 80 minutes of the postgame show, Ian, it's all about like breakdowns, analysis, and very specific uh, detail about yeah. PK coverages. And then the 10 minutes before you come out is, is when all the trade uh, offers come in. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there's some positive stuff in those 80 minutes as well. It's not all about analyzing their breakdowns and... And all the problems that they have, but so you're trading Beauvillier. That's that's the takeaway. No, the, the, the I, I, I didn't really hear. I didn't really hear all of the discussion because I was busy, you know, working. But uh, <laughs> that seems to be the gist of it. You're you're greasing the greasing the skids to slide them off into the big blue trade sea next season. Is that what we're doing? No. Well, well, Conversation was about like buy low options that could play next to Elias Pedersen when he's playing this well. Could you attract free oh. agents? Okay, but you know you, you still well, have to move some bodies out. Everyone's, yeah. <laughs> everyone's always looking for the next Danson Carter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, the way Pedersen's played though, I mean Kuzmenko. How much do how much of Kuzmenko's success do we attribute to Pedersen though? Like. As good as Pedersen's been, and of course they've worked well together, you got to give Pedersen some credit, but how much of Kuzmenko being Kuzmenko is Kuzmenko? Oh, I think a lot. I mean, the, the, a, a comparable question would be, and I know this is a big example, but a, compar- a comparable question would be how, how much of Yeri Curry's goal scoring was due to Wayne Gretzky? Mm, yeah. You know, how, much of, how, how much of um, you know, David Pasternak's goal scoring is due to Patrice Bergeron and, and you know, what's his name is always suspended. Uh, <laughs> it's late here, man. Um, so yeah, of course he benefits from Kuzmenko. I remember him. Uh, of course, Kuzmenko benefits from playing with Pedersen. Who wouldn't? I mean, there's something wrong with you if a play- <laughs> as a player, if you can play with somebody as good as Pedersen and not benefit from him, but Kuzmenko is is an elite uh, uh, offensive talent, or at least he's got elite offensive skills, and he seems to be turning into an elite offensive talent in his first year in the National Hockey League. And and I think since uh, he had his minutes drawn back by Talkit just a few games ago, it was only last week I think he played ten minutes in a game um since that happened i think he's had uh, a lot more determination in his game in getting to the net like he's always he's always been good with the puck um it, talk it obviously wants him being more north south and east west with the puck but uh, i've seen it, it seems to me anyways uh more determination 
of him getting to the net and getting through traffic uh, to score these goals that, that he is. And there are two very different goals, the tying one in Nashville versus, versus the tying one tonight. But the point is, when the game is on his stick, he makes a count. And, you know, those guys, I don't know how much they're worth. I know they're worth more than $11 million over two years. So we'll see. We'll see what happens at the end of it, but he's he's been tremendous. A uh, a game from Elias Pettersson where Brad Marchand, where he was. I was waiting. I was waiting for one of you guys to save me the embarrassment of not remembering Brad Marchand. Somebody texted in and said it's Marchand for Ian. So the text inbox had your back. Yes. Um, yes. Well, thank thank you, text <laughs> inbox. Uh, Seventeen shot attempts for Elias Pettersson, ten on goal. Uh, yeah. You know the, the the inbox always has my back. Yes. you know that it does. I mean, a, a lot of the times it does. It does. Yeah. Well, like there's there's one person who's who's criticizing me and saying even Ian McIntyre would agree. So this person definitely has your back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even Ian McIntyre, yeah. that guy. Yeah. 17 shot attempts. Oh, right. That's so. what I was going to ask. Yes. Uh, a super determined performance from him after a, a, a bit of a sloppy start because there was a pass in, in the power play. You could see him shake his head. And then uh, from there on, it was launching rubber towards the net for Elias Pettersson. Yeah. Yeah. He was he was terrific. But, I mean, we, we just kind of expect that now every night. It's why his, his disastrous defensive foray on the shorthanded goal mm-hmm. for – the Blues had opened the score and was so was so stunning because you know when do you ever see uh, Pedersen make a mistake like that and and I know that's you know an unaccustomed circumstance being the lone guy back on a two on one and how do you defend that but still it was a it was a, a ghastly attempt on his part and I think you know we've seen enough of him to know that he's he's going to give you everything he has no matter what. But I got to think, and he said after the game as well, it was a terrible play. Uh, I got to think it, it certainly didn't lessen any motivation he had uh, to come back in the third. You've probably played the, the clips from Rick Talkett by now where he talked about kind of giving it to the team in the second intermission, especially over how they had defended on, on the second goal, which I really just thought was Silov's fault. But uh, he didn't like the way the team defended that goal, and he said the great thing was the response that he got from them in the third period. And, you know, Pedersen led the way. He was, you know, world-class again. But I, I think they had a lot of a lot of good players tonight. You know, I thought, I thought Besser looked uh, as determined as he's, as he's looked. And he's, you know, been a lot more engaged in, in the last month or so. But I thought he was very good tonight. I thought Garland was all around the the net tonight. And then, of course, Kuzmenko and Pedersen with Beauvillier, they were good. I thought the, the depth guys, uh, and and especially Amon, was, was really skating tonight. And and Miller had Miller had another, you know, great game. I, I, I'd put it that way. And I think he's had a bunch of them lately that, you know, it's going to take a while, I think, for him to win back some of his critics and there are lots of them and and for good reason with some of the plays that Miller has made this year but I think he's playing uh, as well now as he did at any point last year 
in his in his ninety nine point season, but he's playing, you know, more of a two hundred foot game now, and and uh, he's he's leading leading by example. You know, thank goodness it wasn't it wasn't he who made that shorthanded uh, lunge that led to uh, the f- the first goal. Otherwise, you know, he'd be watching it uh, on on clips. Uh, yeah for forever on social media but uh, i thought he was very good and i thought the whole i thought the team was and and you know hughes breaking up what essentially was a two-on-one in overtime with no goalie because he closed so quickly on braden shen that he caused a turnover and it was you know not long uh after that that um that the the got the tying goal from kuzmenko and and so he he was you know huge timely moment even Silovs who you know needed to to make you know another save somewhere along the way given how few quality scoring chances Canucks were giving up they shouldn't have been down to nothing but even Silovs in overtime he makes his best save maybe best couple of saves of the game and so the, it was you know a pretty good team performance tonight everyone would like it except Team Tank. Well, and you know what, and and I understand. I mean, the, the high draft pick is exactly what you want to get, and everything. But the way the Canucks have won these last couple of games, late dying second goals they were scoring, right? Like just eking games out in terms of getting a point and getting one in, in overtime. Here, Quinn Hughes played thirty minutes tonight. Pedersen almost tw- uh, Pedersen twenty two. JT over twenty, almost twenty five minutes. And I know it was overtime and everything, but. It's not sustainable, right? Like they're gonna win a lot of games if they have to lean on their guys this much, and they need hero comeback games time and time out. Yeah. Uh, sorry, repeat. Uh, well, I, I, I gonna, lost you. Sad. Uh, you don't often confuse me. Usually, it's Bick. But no, I, but I don't know what you're trying to ask. Me. No, basically, do you see this team winning a lot of games if this is how they have to play to win? Right, like where they have to, you know, have have guys play thirty minutes, twenty five minutes, score game, score score goals late to tie them. Like, it's going to be hard for these guys to win a lot of games. So for all fans yeah, well, who are upset need, about it, like yeah. I, I get it. Yeah, they need they. Well, I don't think there's many right minded fans who are going to be upset at the performance of the team tonight. They absolutely dominated the Blues. They could have won this game by five. So the fact that they had to to score three late was, you know, I don't think that was, I don't think that was their fault. I don't think they'd played their way into a two, nothing deficit. I think the, the, the high danger scoring chances tonight were 10, one at five on five, according to natural stat trick. I think the scoring chances were 30 to nine for, for Vancouver. So uh, tonight was, was an outstanding performance by the team. And had they lost, the the process, how they played, was still going to be outstanding. With an asterisk, keep in mind the Blues are just ahead of them in the standings, so it's not like they're playing. They were playing a Stanley Cup contender. Um, but if you're asking me about trying to, you know, build build a pattern of wins by having your best players play twenty five or thirty minutes and scoring twice. Late in the third period, of course, you can't you can't win that way. But we've seen this team all year win games. We've seen them blow a lot of leads. Lately, we've seen them come back from from a lot of deficits. I think that's that's what their talent does for them. But what was 
much better about tonight. Uh, and maybe to a lesser degree against Nashville, but what was much better tonight is they actually played a solid defensive game. They gave up two goals, one on a stinker shorthanded goal and, and one at even strength that the goalie should have saved. And other than that, you know, played a pretty solid game from start to finish. I really, you know, honestly, and, and I'm not listening to your, to the 80 minutes of the post game show that I missed. Uh, honestly, I don't really know what the complaints would be from people. I wouldn't, I'd have a hard time understanding what the complaints would be from people about the process of how the Canucks played tonight. It's seven minutes and 37 seconds, uh, an impression of uh, Atu Ratu in its Canucks debut. Yeah, not, I don't really have one. I mean, his, his I saw him so infrequently late in the game. Uh, it's clear that he has hockey sense. It's also clear that his foot speed is going to be an issue. But I think it's a good thing that they can hopefully give him a couple more games here and maybe see him a little bit more. He's not up here for uh, you know an extended run. He's not here to play third-line center for the rest of the season. At least I don't think he's going to. He's here to to have a look at what what this team is going to might look like a little bit in the fall and what he has to do to be part of it. And he's also here, I think, to let Rick Tockett and this coaching staff have a look at him firsthand at this level. Uh, but he didn't, you know, he didn't play enough tonight, I think, to make any any kind of a uh, reasonable assessment of him. But you know, is is a great prospect. Um, I saw that. I certainly saw that he's uh, engaged on his shifts, like he's in tough areas in front of his net, in front of the other team's net. But you know, his his skating, I think, is going to go a long way to determining what he becomes at this level. And he's only 20 years old, so he's got lots of time. But he's got to find another step somewhere. Uh, Ian, great stuff as always here on the post game show. And you know what? The Canucks have made a coaching change. I wonder what's going to happen in St. Louis because Craig Berube after the game tonight said, I guess our best players don't care about the team. Not sure why. So uh, that's the stage the Bruin, uh, the Blues find themselves in. And the Canucks, well, we continue talking about how this team trends towards the end of the year. And we look forward to chatting with you on Saturday when you're back in town with the Bruins in Vancouver. Well, I will look forward to that. And yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't look good in, in St. Louis. They've, you know, things have probably run their course with Berube. The way, you know, we, uh, lots of coaches who have had success eventually, you know, need a need a new audience, and their audience needs a new voice. And I, I'm so far away from the Blues situation, but from twenty thousand feet, you know, that's that's how it looks. So that didn't doesn't surprise me that he would have said that post game. Yeah, well, no question about that. Ian, great stuff as always. Look forward to reading your latest on sportsnet.ca and speaking to you on Saturday. All right. See you guys. Travel safe. Uh, That's Ian McIntyre. Great insight as always here on the post-game show. And, Bick, uh, that brings us to the end of the show. What you got going on in the People Show tomorrow? I don't actually know. I think Randy Bjanda. Randy Bjanda. It's going up on the show tomorrow. Randeep. Randeep and yeah. Bick. That's happening on the show tomorrow. And tomorrow, uh, Yannick and Mailbag is coming up. And Harmon Dial. 
on uh, Canuck Central. Myself, Satyar Shaw, and Dan Riccio. And special thanks to Josh Ellie Wolf producing the show. Back at it with us again tomorrow. Again tomorrow. And thank you all for participating in the show, listening, and being part of it. Can't wait to chat with you again on Saturday on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.